Welcome to the official Substack of Brandon Ritchie podcast and blog episode. Today's date is January the 19th, 2023. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome aboard. I'm grateful to have you here. The title of today's episode is The American Psychopaths. Okay, and there are three highlights I want to touch on today with today's episode. The first is, uh, what disturbing realization should our society take note of today? That's the first highlight. The second is, what makes a psychopath? And the third is, what fictional TV character can teach us about mental illness in our government and media? Those are the highlights I will be getting into today. All right, so down to business. Preface. Quote, I didn't know what made people want to be friends. I didn't know what made people attractive to one another. I didn't know what underlay social interactions. End quote. Ted Bundy. After watching the behaviors and actions of people in the media and government over the past three years, I've come to believe that there are way more mentally sick people walking the streets, talking in front of the TV cameras, and raining on social media than I ever would have previously guessed in my wildest dreams. This is a disturbing realization But regardless, it is the reality of the current societal situation that we all find ourselves in. You've heard of the terms sociopath and psychopath in today's world, but what do these terms mean? Is there a difference between these two terms? I want to focus a bit more on on the psychopath rather than the sociopath today, but I want to take a second to highlight a few differences between the two for more clarity. Today, the words psychopathy and sociopathy are terms that imply an antisocial personality disorder. Given that these two carry this characteristic, they may seem like the same thing, but even though they overlap and share commonalities, these two differ in some ways. Source, Forbes, Health. So what is a sociopath? This particular term was covered back in the days of behaviorism in the arena of psychology and psychological theory, but over time it has fallen out of use. To put this into a more literal context, according to Kent Kill, Ph.D., you cannot get funding from the NIH to study sociopaths. On a side note, I suppose the Dr. Fauci's of the world aren't, aren't issuing those grants for others to potentially learn more about them, but I digress. Regardless, Kill is a neuroscientist studying brain imaging, psychopathy, and other psychotic disorders in Albuquerque, New Mexico. According to Kill, When the term was in use, it was essentially believed that people were born as blank slates, and as a result, they were shaped by their environment, and the social forces surrounding them resulted in in a good or bad personality outcome. However, according to Kiel, his view was determined to be incorrect, and as focus shifted to increasing accuracy and reliability in diagnosis over time, the term, quote, sociopathy, end quote, was dropped from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM-5, roughly 20 years ago. Source, Forbes, Health. 
Uh, before I continue, I want to interject real quick. If you are a first-time listener, uh, once again, I am grateful for you coming aboard here today. If you are a first-time listener, you can subscribe to this blog, and I want to encourage you to do so to this uh, podcast and blog by simply going to brandonritchie.substack.com. You can easily input your email and uh, become a free subscriber and get updated with every new episode uh, directly into your email inbox there. If you want to put it on hyperdrive, if you get into this episode here, for instance, and you start looking over the Substack and looking through the other episodes and listening to the podcast, and you want to put it on hyperdrive and support an anti-administrative state media platform, you can also do and become a paid subscriber. And you can do that and access paid content uh, for about the price of a cup of coffee per month if you do the annual subscription. Uh, in fact, if you scroll down below the fold here on this particular episode, you'll see that I'm running a 20% discount on becoming a paid member, 20% off that annual fee. So uh, you're getting a really even even better than a, a cheaper cup of coffee, rather. But on that note, you can do that. Uh, also, feel free to join me on Facebook, Getter. Uh, I'm also, if you listen on other platforms, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, uh, on those platforms, uh, Google as well. Check out those platforms. If you're on Spotify and Apple, uh, please feel free to give it a rating and a review. Give it a five-star rating and follow, and that will help to that will help me to circumvent any kind of suppression or censorship, which I have been facing a lot of over the last year or two. Despite that, the show is growing. And if you are a first-time listener and you won't and you're not quite sure about what this is about, this particular podcast is it serves as a map to help you and those around you to be a zenith during chaotic times. And that means that term zenith means I want you at your peak, at your best, tip top. And the way we do that in my view is getting a handle around and getting our arms around human nature and understanding what motivates humans because people believe it or not they're out to pursue their own self-interest that is human nature does it mean all people are bad does it mean all people are evil it just means that that is the general default if you will to going with human nature and how it operates and how it functions in our world. And the way we can kind of outline this and get our arms around it is by looking at culture, history, philosophy, geopolitics, health. All of these things funnel down into your individual life and impact your individual life directly, as well as that of your families. So if you can't get your arms around it, then you're going to be a victim of the system or the environment, rather, that you're living in. I want you to be able to understand that environment, not only understand it, but impact that environment directly with change, with your agency, through that understanding. And that's the goal here, okay? So, I think I've covered all the bases there. So, heading. So, what is a psychopath? Psychopathy is also not a term that is an official diagnosis per the DSM-5. However, the term psychopathy remains a term in psychology today that points to those individuals who display high levels of callousness and unemotional behavior. It also applies in the same way to those who exhibit impulsiveness and developmental associated traits that involve outright destructive and aggressive behavior. 
When it comes to the symptoms of psychopathy, they generally appear in early childhood and as the individual ages throughout life, it directly impacts all areas of an individual's life. This would include relationships with family, friends, and colleagues at both school and work environments. In short, traits of psychopathy overlap with symptoms of antisocial personality disorder, or ASPD, which involves a mental health condition that consists of traits involving irresponsible, impulsive, and criminal behavior. Source, FHE Health. Now, an interesting statistic by the Frontiers of Psychology from 2021 makes the claim that about 1.2% of the adult population throughout society is walking around with psychopathy. Those who are plagued by this mental and behavioral illness tend to display antisocial behaviors. Some characteristics of the antisocial behaviors might include a lack of empathy and the disregard for the well-being and emotions of others. With such behavior, it's easy to understand how this would be problematic for these people and those they have relationships with in their daily lives as it's a huge struggle and perhaps even an impossibility in some cases to connect and trust the world around them. As I read over the details concerning the traits and characteristics of sociopaths and psychopaths, it seems to me that there's a lot of overlap, but I found that the Hair Psychopathy Checklist Revised or PCL-R, presented in the Forbes Health article, seemingly clarifies this with a scoring scale to determine whether someone can be classified as a psychopath. This assessment essentially includes a list of 20 items of which any given individual can be rated on a scale of 0 to 2 based on how much the amount of their behavior and personality matches the description. This basically results in two primary scales, with one measuring the level of emotional detachment, while the other gives measurement of the level of antisocial behavior. These all combine for a total score, and the highest that one can score on this PCL-R test is a 40, but only a score of 30 is needed for someone to be classified as a psychopath. The items of the PCL-R test from the Forbes Health article include the following. Number one, item number one, glibness, superficial charm. Item two, grandiose sense of self-worth. Item three, a need for stimulation. Number four, pathological lying. Number five, conning, manipulative. Number six, lack of remorse or guilt. Seven, shallow effect. Eight, callous, lack of empathy. 9. Parasitic lifestyle. Number 10. Poor behavioral controls. 11. Promiscuous sexual behavior. 12. Early behavioral problems. 13. Lack of realistic long-term goals. 14. Impulsivity. 15. Irresponsibility. 16. Failure to accept responsibility. 17. Many short-term relationships. 18. Juvenile delinquency. 19. Revocation. Revocation of conditional release, meaning someone was granted a conditional release from prison and that release had been revoked. And number 20, criminal versatility. Now, according to the Forbes Health article, for a patient to be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, they must display a, quote, persistent disregard for the rights of others, end quote. Now, to me, that last line is exactly why I wanted to talk about this topic in regards to the culture of today's media landscape 
and the institutional right that both you and I can see on display right in front of our faces on a constant basis. As you're very familiar with a point I'm always hammering away on with this platform, information warfare is at the tip of the spear at making literally everything in our society happen. Keep in mind that everything is a narrative, including this platform. However, this platform was created out of the need of being a counter-narrative to the fascist communist narratives that our society is hit with by the administrative state media, or ASM, news cycle on a constant day-to-day basis. The process of narrative versus counter-narrative serves as the fighters inside the arena of information warfare that I frequently refer to lately as Thunderdome. Now, having said that, what do psychopaths have to do with the media, our other institutions, and this very discussion? Well, I mentioned Fauci earlier, but to use another example, let's look at the behavior of the media on almost literally every other major so-called scientific community group back when the pandemic was first raging and how they responded and what they told both you and me at the time. To pick a single item out of many Let's look at their behavior towards the recommended solution of using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin as a treatment option for the virus. Both of these were proven to be highly effective against the virus, yet the production and the voices advocating for these were completely mocked, shut down, censored, and attacked by many people in the media, in medicine, and by several people on my social media feeds. On a personal note, I remember how shocked I was that people were all of a sudden advocating for censorship like a bunch of authoritarians that just popped up all over my news feed. It was one of the most disgusting and infuriating things I've ever personally experienced, and it's a huge reason that this podcast and blog exist today. I started this platform out of the desire to metaphorically contribute to pounding those people's voices and their authoritarian attitudes back into the Stone Age where it belongs. After all, This is the United States of America, which is supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. And all I remember seeing on that day was a bunch of cowardly authoritarians that were calling for censorship and othering everyone who disagreed with their position just because the TV told them so. This was insanity. I couldn't let that stand. To me, these people's actions literally resulted in the killing of people who could have had a solution to their illness but instead had the rug ripped out from under them before they ever realized it. This was the case because these authoritarian psychopaths were constantly displaying a full disregard towards the rights of those who were sick by silencing the voices of those who were trying to help them. The same thing is happening to this platform now, three years later, and as I'm talking to you right now, I'm still dealing with a restricted Facebook account and am locked out of my ex, formerly Twitter account. It's pretty obvious to me that the American psychopaths are very present in our modern-day society. Even though the frontiers of psychology claim that 1.2% of the population are walking around our streets with psychopathy, I would bet that a large percentage of that 1.2% are working for the media, the NIH, the CDC, the FBI, the CIA, and many of the other three-letter agencies that make up the administrative state. Heading, Dexter Morgan. Now, in my previous episode titled, The Absence of a Conscience Round, I talked about what conscience means. To recap, your conscience is defined as that inner voice that is viewed as a guide to help you understand the difference between right and wrong behavior. 
the way I interpret this for myself is sort of hearing my own voice or a version of my inner voice that communicates with me whenever I'm faced with certain decisions where I have to weigh the difference in what I interpret as right or wrong given the circumstance. Perhaps you share this similar trait, but if you don't, then this article will attempt to address such circumstances in others with such a condition. Now, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I understand right from wrong and I can read and interpret the meaning of words. So let's dive into this a little deeper. On that note, according to the traits of a psychopath concerning the conscience when looking at extreme cases of psychopathy, these people exhibit or at least give the impression of a total lack of conscience. Source, APA Psych Net. Now, in the way that I just explained to you in terms of my experience with my own conscience, I would say that this explanation of those people who give the impression of a total lack of conscience probably lack that inner voice altogether, or perhaps it's just distorted in some way. Regardless, this is an intriguing discovery in terms of how our minds work. I mean, as I described to you, my inner voice, and after reading that people with extreme cases of psychopathy lack that inner voice, That's a hard thing for me to imagine. I mean, slow down and really think about that for a moment. It's a complex scenario when you really think about the fact that some people are walking around and they lack their inner voice to tell them from right, tell them right from wrong. That's a wild realization. You know what this discussion of the conscience reminded me of when I thought about it? I don't know if you're familiar with the hit TV series Dexter, But this is exactly what this topic reminded me of, and it also points to another interesting question that the TV show Dexter brings to the forefront concerning this discussion on conscience. You see, in the TV show, the main character Dexter Morgan works for the Miami Police Department as a crime scene blood spatter expert who also happens to be a serial killer. That's right. If you're not familiar with this show, it's got quite an interesting storyline that will keep you on edge. However, Dexter's adoptive father was also a cop that had found him at a a horrific crime scene when he was a young child where his mother had been killed. This trauma obviously impacted Dexter, and the cop that was working that case was Harry Morgan. Harry would end up adopting Dexter as his son, but as, as Dexter got older, Harry would notice that Dexter would exhibit certain traits that were consistent with killers. Harry would, not, Harry would take note of Dexter's behavior, where he would demonstrate an interest in killing, and at a young age, Harry could tell that this was something that would only grow inside of Dexter over time. However, in the show, Harry is only presented to us, the viewers, as either a memory or as a voice of reason as he appears to Dexter when Dexter is faced with difficult life scenarios and high-pressure situations. Harry only appears to the audience in this form because he is deceased. You see, in the series, Harry comes to realize that he can't stop the sinister urges that he noticed growing inside of Dexter, so he decided that perhaps he could channel Dexter's urges for wanting to kill by teaching Dexter a code to live by in order to have Dexter only target and kill other serial killers. This code would also serve as a blanket of protection over Dexter to keep him in line so that he wouldn't get caught by the authorities, and being a cop, Harry knew the code would be effective in working to Dexter's advantage in this way as long as Dexter would honor the code. As the series plays out, we can see that Dexter would honor the code, and if a scenario of a killing were called into question, 
Harry would appear to Dexter in order to guide him as his conscience to walk him through honoring the code and making the right decision. In this part of the show, the appearance of Harry to Dexter suggests that Dexter has a conscience. Now, since Dexter is a serial killer, one might automatically think that he's a psychopath, and we've established that psychopaths, at least in extreme cases, lack that inner voice or conscience. Now, granted, Dexter is a make-believe character, but for the purpose of this discussion, to me, this suggests that Dexter is a serial killer with a conscience. Well, according to the FHE Health Restore article, not all serial killer behavior is based solely on sociopathic or psychopathic traits, but also there are social and environmental influences, traumatic circumstances, abusive experiences, and mental illness. So on that note, and as a quasi-layman, I suppose Dexter could be a serial killer and still have Harry speak to him as his voice of reason and not necessarily be a psychopath or a sociopath. I suppose he could have have some level of antisocial personality disorder, ASPD. After all, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Charles Manson were diagnosed with ASPD, which involves overlapping traits along with the checklist of a psychopath. However, I suppose the only way to be certain about the psychopathic diagnosis would be to have a professional run the PCL-R test to find out. But then again, Dexter is, made, is a made-up character, that, so that wouldn't work. But the same observation applies to anyone who might share Dexter's qualities in the real world. On that note, why did I decide to jump in to make to the make-believe world of Dexter Morgan to hypothetically discuss whether or not Dexter has a conscience and whether or not he is a psychopath. Well, the truth is that the character of Dexter Morgan may or may not be a psychopath. However, he carries many traits of a psychopath, and in recognizing those traits as outlined in the PCL-R checklist I covered earlier, I can see with my best estimate that Dexter carries about 9 out of the 20 traits that were in that list. As best I could tell, those would include the following items of the PCLR checklist. Item number one, glibness, superficial charm. Item number three, need for stimulation. Item number four, pathological lying. Item five, conning, manipulative. Item seven, shallow effect. Item eight, callous, lack of empathy. Item ten, poor behavioral controls. Item 12, early behavioral problems. Item 20, criminal criminal versatility. Now that I've established how many times, how many items of the PCLR apply to the serial killer Dexter Morgan, I also made another interesting discovery concerning this list and how it applies to the real-life personalities in media and government. For instance... I mentioned Anthony Fauci earlier in this episode, and I can already see that the likes of people like him and most of the personalities at MSNBC surpass even Dexter on the number of items you can check off the list of the PCLR assessment. Here I've totaled 12 items for Fauci, which gives him three more than Dexter Morgan in my previous example, and these are only items that you and I can access with public knowledge. Who knows how many more could be added to the list if we knew more about Fauci's personal life. For Fauci alone, these would include the following items. Item number one, glibness, superficial charm. 
Number two, grandiose sense of self-worth. Number three, a need for stimulation. Number four, pathological lying. Number five, conning, manipulative. Number six, lack of remorse or guilt. Number seven, shallow effect. Number eight, callous, lack of empathy. Number nine, parasitic lifestyle. As a side note, I included this because he's a bureaucrat that grifts off the American taxpayer and abuses his position of power. Uh, Number 15, irresponsibility. Number 16, failure to accept responsibility. And number 20, criminal versatility. Hetty, the wrap-up. The point is that our society is plagued by people in power who are mentally sick. There's no question question about this and whether or not the whole lot of the the American psychopaths and media and government are all psychopaths is beside the point. The point is that they all carry many similar traits and all you have to do is be willing to observe reality in order to see it. It doesn't even require you to watch a TV show about an imaginary serial killer who lives by, by a code to further his survival in the world by helping him to evade capture and to channel his curse for vigilante justice. It doesn't require you to do that at all in order to see the psychopathic nature of the likes of Anthony Fauci and MSNBC, because unlike Dexter, these people don't exhibit an inner voice of reason, because I've not seen them be reasonable to the American public over the past several years in the least. In fact, all I've seen is these people browbeat the American public and make the claim that the public should always follow the science. Heck, Fauci even proclaimed that, quote, I am the science, end quote. Dexter Morgan may not be a real person, but at least in his imaginary world, he has Harry as his inner voice of reason. Contrast that with the real world concerning the likes of Fauci and most of the personalities on MSNBC and tell me where you see evidence they possess an inner voice of reason at all. I hope you enjoyed today's article podcast. If so, I hope you would choose to support this platform as part of the Patriot Economy as well. Be an emissary of freedom and help to push this piece out to your friends, family, and co-workers. One way you can do this right now is by joining me and giving me a like here on Public SQ. This platform is directly tied to support to the support of a Freedom First movement by allowing you to line up your purchasing power with businesses that share your values. In order for both you and me to influence and strengthen our society, we must not stay idle. So please make sure you hit the subscribe and share buttons here below. Spreading messages like this one is how we influence our culture, and I need your help in order to do it. Also, listen to this episode here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Pocket Cast. If you like this podcast and the message, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating on the Spotify platform. Also, to connect with me, please make sure you join me here on Facebook, Getter, and now Substack's new social media called Notes. Stay strong, stay focused, stay active, and have a great day.